everyone. Welcome back to the Where If You Take You podcast. I am Kayla, a professional triathlete, mom of two little boys, and triathlon coach. And I'm here with my co-host, Aaron Oliphant, an elite amateur age group triathlete and junior coach at Where If You Take You. We are very excited to be back here this week. We have a big podcast where we are going to kind of chat a little bit about the idea behind, you know, drug testing and doping, as well as provide a recap on Kayla's experience at Ironman Texas. Before we dive into these topics, we want to remind you that you can provide us your questions at www.wherefeettakeyou.com slash podcast. And if you have a second and could share our podcast on the social media platforms, it just helps us to spread the word. Um, and of course, this is only if you're up for it, but we really appreciate you guys' support. For those of you that have reached out and said how much you enjoy the podcast and are enjoying watch, listening to it, we really appreciate it. And we will continue to do our best to provide a fun, educational, and full of great meaning uh, podcast for you guys. All right. So as we mentioned, as I mentioned in the introduction, we are going to be chatting a little bit about drug testing and doping today. This is in light of a recent ban of professional triathlete Colin Chartier for the confirmed use of EPO um, that he received in an out of competition drug test back in February. For those of you that are not sure what an out-of-competition drug test means, this is a drug test that he received when he was not in competition timeframe, meaning postseason or just not competing at the time. And so we wanted to kind of share a little bit about drug testing, doping, and our thoughts behind how we think maybe it can improve and what we've learned over the years as ourselves as athletes. Both Aaron and I really want to stress very strongly that we do not condone any form of cheating in sport or life. And we do believe very much that drug testing is important. I think we've talked about this on the podcast in the past. And um, the other piece we also want to note before we get into this is that we are no means or way providing any information on what happened in this specific situation. We're not privy to any of it, nor are we going to be making any conclusions as to what happened or why it happened, as there's not enough information out in the public for us to be able to do so, nor is that we are that type of, you could call it news stream, <laughs> educational stream, whatever you want to call what we do. Um, but we do want to touch on it because we think it's very, very important. And I know that I speak for myself and I'm probably Aaron as well, that we both really believe for us that this is very disappointing news. And I think for the whole triathlon community in general was a huge shock to the system and really kind of, I know for me, like it kind of made yesterday a big bit of a downer and really, but at the same time really made me remind myself of like why sport is so important. And for me, it's always been that it's, it isn't always about winning. It's about for standing up for ourselves, for growing, learning and exploring the boundaries of what we're capable of from a physical and mental and emotional standpoint. And it's always been about creating space of empowerment within myself and and finding a new belief in that person as I am and, um, you know, not what I necessarily accomplished. Yes, winning is amazing. We always want to win, but we can't always win. Even if we're the best in the world, some days people are better than us. And that's where you learn. In fact, I'll talk about that a little bit when we go into our Texas, Ironman Texas recap, because let me tell you, there was not a lot of winning going on uh, this past weekend. 
But um, I'm going to have Erin kind of jump in here for a minute because she has a lot of background and education on performance enhancing drugs through her time as an NCAA double NCAA Division I athlete, um, as well as she continued on after college coaching at the NCAA Division I level. And so I'm going to let her kind of share some of her knowledge here for you guys, as well as, as, you know, kind of what, you know, for me as a triathlon, uh, moving up from the age group to the professional standpoint, and then we'll, yeah, we're just going to kind of chat on how we think maybe it can improve. And I have some resources for everybody as well at the end that we'll share to help provide you guys ways to be able to stay informed. Cause I think that's one of the most important things is that we have a duty and an obligation to be informed athletes as to what we're putting into our bodies and the integrity that we are providing ourselves, the community, the people we work with, the people we race with and the people that we, that support us. So Aaron, um, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on, yeah, drug testing, doping, et cetera from kind of what you've learned over the years as you've come up from a really good high school athlete to college athletes now um, I come in an amateur triathlete. Um, first of all, I am in favor of drug testing and I do not support doping or cheating. As you said, um, it's no. hard for me to even wrap around my head around for the same reasons you said the sport for me is all about self growth and challenging my limits um, and just, just trying to see the best I can be. Um, when it comes to drug testing, it can get challenging because um, drug testing is very expensive and it's also on it's drug testing is hard because it's usually a responsive measure. It's really hard to be proactive when it comes to it. Um, yeah, tends to be very reactive and that just brings a challenge because you're, um, there's always going to be a way athletes find to dope that comes ahead of our drug testing measures and standards, which is the scary part of it. Um, because I think majority of us in the sport want it to be a clean and fair place to compete and really just bring out our best selves without the use of drugs that can harm us. Um, I think some people, there are people out there I know who have this take that, oh, well, if some people are going to do it, we should just allow everybody to do it and it can just be a drug free for all. Um, I think that position brings a lot of dangers. I think these drugs, when abused in the way that they are, to be performance enhancers cause a lot of health risks. Um, and I do think it's really important that we have clean sport to keep us all safe and just keep us challenging our limits in a safe, responsible way. Yeah. Did you guys, when you're coaching at um, Arizona, did you guys have your athletes do any education, um, that that they had to take on a regular basis or did they have, did you do, was there regular drug testing? Was, did you have to go through that as an athlete? What was that experience? Yeah. The NCAA does do random drug testing. Um, so randomly we'll just have a group of athletes pulled. Um, I also, cause I was a volunteer assistant at Arizona state, um, our pro team practices with our college team. And we constantly had people from USADA coming in to test our pros for random drug tests. Um, 
because I think they're at even a higher standard. Um, but on the NCAA front, they're educated every year about how to use the resources to check their drugs. And then we also just have a nutritionist on staff that can help um, go through everything and kind of help guide you through like TUEs you might need if you need anything. Um, but I think it's just really important to just continue to educate yourself on what's allowed and what's not. Um, and then just coming from a different perspective, like what's right and what's not. Um, even if you think other people are doing it doesn't mean you should. I feel like that's a lesson we kind of are all taught when we're five. Like if your friend was to go jump off mm-hmm. a bridge, should you jump off the bridge too? Yeah. Would you? Um, yeah. So that's. It really comes down to this idea of integrity and you wanting to be your best self for your best self. Um, it's really easy to get wrapped up in the, what everybody else is doing. And unfortunately, I think a lot of that, you know, is even bigger nowadays because of the pressures that are put on everybody with social media, um, uh, obligations, money, um, you know, especially, you know, if we're talking triathlon here, like more money is being flooded into the sport. So pressure starts, you know, going up for the professionals because they, you know, to make more money, um, and the sport has really taken off and, and people have gotten faster and stronger. Um, and it's amazing and it's awesome. And that's where we should be. I mean, that's, that's why it's one of the coolest things that about being a part of the sport right now. Um, but it can create a lot of added stress and a lot of pressure and that pressure can be super, super isolating. And I think that's something, you know, you and I wanted to kind of touch on was, this idea of this isolation creating this struggle mentally and emotionally of feeling like I, I have, I have to do this or I'm never going to be there and, and almost using it as a mental, not necessarily a mental performance tool, but a way to circumvent maybe some, some struggles that you're having mentally and emotionally. And that kind of hurts my soul a little bit because to me that shows a huge gap in what we're doing is is not only from a drug testing or doping standpoint from needing to test people more or education wise but also about providing enough resources or education or coaches or mentors or whatever out there to support athletes from a mental standpoint and emotional standpoint because that it, that can lead down a terrible terrible path that makes you cho- make bad decisions that you maybe wouldn't have if you were a lot more grounded in yourself and um doesn't condone it it's not what i'm saying what i'm getting at here is i think that's a weak spot in the sport as well that there's not enough support from that standpoint and I just want to always encourage everybody, if you are feeling that way, reach out to someone, anyone, a friend, a coach, a mentor, um, USAT, family member. Um, I know for me as a coach, if any of my athletes were to come to me from that standpoint, my 
my first reaction wouldn't be, well, we need to do X to make you faster. It'd be like, okay, no, we need to back off and make changes. Um, your, your mental health is way more important than this. And I think that's a little bit of a gap as well in the sport. Yeah. And there are a lot of pressures. Um, but I think there's a lot of pressures on every professional athlete. Um, everybody. Any, and age, and age groupers. groupers. Um, I mean, age groupers are, are trying to, to explore who they are from a sports standpoint while running a full-time job, a family or what school or whatever. And that's a lot. It's a lot. And I think just reaching out and getting the help in the proper way is a big, important step that we just need to encourage and continue to encourage people to do because it can get hard. Like I've felt immense pressure, um, not as much with triathlon, but back when I was swimming, um, felt immense pressure to perform. Um, and it gets overwhelming and it's just, you need just to continue to let people know that there's people there for them to talk through things and also people there to like help them find the love of the sport again. Um, I think a lot of times when you feel all these pressures, it's not enjoyable anymore and your only joy comes from success. So you're willing to do whatever it takes Mm -hmm. to get that success because that's the only way you can feel joy. Um, And so I think it's important to just, help people and make sure people know that there's help out there to help them talk through everything and help them navigate through all the pressure and to help them navigate through the sport. So they're not even tempted to take performance enhancing drugs in the first place. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I do think it's important for those of you that are listening to, to, to say that we, we very much understand that what we're talking about, may seem a little bit like, oh, we need, we're not, we're talking about mental health. We're not necessarily talking about whether somebody's taking drugs or not, and they need to be drug tested. As we mentioned before, we both very much agree that there needs to be more drug testing across the board um, and more education across the board when it comes to, you know, what, what drug testing is, how to do it, why it's important, understanding the process behind it, the types of um, supplements that you can and cannot take, et cetera. Um, but also I think what we're, you know, we're both saying here that in these instances where people decide to make this decision to toe the line too far, doesn't always come, doesn't always come from a mental health standpoint, but sometimes maybe it does. And if, if we had an opportunity to help, boost athletes from an all around holistic standpoint, um, then maybe it's a way to help prevent somebody from getting so far deep into that hole that they feel that that's their only choice. So again, we're not saying it's one or the other, both need to happen. Speaking Um, of which, I know one thing, you know, speaking of which, what drug testing policies or drug education do you think should be implemented in the sport to help prevent PEDs in the future? Yeah. 
I definitely think that there needs to be more drug testing across the board from both age group and professional athletes alike. Um, it, and this is going to sound silly, but I, I almost think that it even needs to happen a little bit more on the age grouper side because that's where professional athletes come from often, right? And so when you start this process early of teaching people to really pay attention to these things, then it can bleed into the professional side of things. Um, and, but I know that this is very expensive and resources are extremely li limited. Um, and so, you know, maybe this means for age groupers, if anybody if you qualify for a world championship, then you get tested or at least the top five in every age group at the world championships gets tested. Um, and then again, I really think there needs to be more testing for, for professionals. Um, ideally, I mean, realistically, they should be tested at least once a month minimum, but I don't know if that's ever going to be both in and out of competition. Um, you know, my thought was like, okay, so at, at professional races, right, we have to check in. Maybe that's just part of our check-in process. Do a pee sample or the new dry, dried blood spot sample. Like as part of your check-in process. You can't get your timing chip unless you go through this process um, to help ensure that people are more on top of it. Um, one thing that I did do really think also is really helpful is there definitely needs to be more education across the board from it. So at Ironman Texas this past weekend, I had to go to a mandatory, and my assumption now after this information just came out is that this was maybe a reactive thing. And that once they, you know, cause they've known the uh, USADA and everybody has known about this announcement that's going to become, that came out. And um, so I had to do an hour uh, mandatory anti-doping class. Um, and while, you know, that always kind of sucks, it meant that I was in a meeting for two hours, um, right before race day. Um, I actually really learned a lot and I thought it was a very good meeting and very educational, especially for me as a new professional. Um, I mean, a lot of it was stuff that, you know, you kind of already intuitively know if you pay attention but um yeah i thought it was i thought it was just very good and, and and it helps remind people and the more education is out there and the more that we're constantly putting this in front of people the more that they're going to be aware of the fact like it's you're right it's going to pop up in your brain it's kind of like when you learn things in school right the more that you see it <laughs> the more that you like pull it from the back of your brain and go oh yeah that's right um and you know, so I'd like to, I don't know, I don't know how the education piece, it can be out there more. I think, um, well, like, like when you get coaching certifications I and I know even athletes for USA Swimming, you're, I think actually probably for USAT as well, you have to do like a safe sport course where you're educated on how to identify mm -hmm. um, signs of sexual abuse and other stuff like that. So I think maybe if we include in order to become a USA member, if you can include just like a 30 minute performance enhancing drug course um, that dissuades yeah. people for them to even be able to compete in races. Um, I think that would be a really good idea. I think that's a great idea that you can just, that you have to do it and you have to mm -hmm. do it every year. 
right? 30 minutes. Because, yeah, I mean, I have to do one. I need to re-up my safe sport, actually. But, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Because then at least it's once a year, at least getting people in front of their computer. It can be virtual. Um, you know, be great if maybe Ironman could tag it on to their athlete briefings. Five minutes, even, of at the end or something of information on the global DRO, USADA, what drug testing is, why it's important. Um, Cause they're doing athlete, they do athlete briefings, like four of them, right? Before every race. And they reach a large number of people. Could be one way to get it out there more. Um, yeah. And then I do think one way that it can improve too is all of us coaches, athletes standing up and taking responsibility for ourselves of wanting clean sport, choosing clean sport, um, believing in it and why it's so important can help as well. Agreed. Cause at the end of the day, we're, we're the, we're the ones that are making the choices. And then, yeah, I don't know. I do think it needs to get out there more. More testing needs to happen. Yeah. Um, I know I've been tested once. I actually got tested out of competition as an age grouper after uh, world championships. And I thought that was really cool. Actually, it was terrifying, but it was really cool um, because I literally have thought about that day since then. Everything that I do, I'm like, okay, am I making the right decision just in case something was to happen? And this I, this was as an age grouper as well. I mean, I've thought about it all the time. Like, okay, am I making the right decision? Is this something that I should check? Is it not? Because it's scary, you know, right? Even though you know you're clean, it's still like, oh my gosh, I got to pay attention. Yeah. So it keeps it in the forefront. Um, um, awesome. And then, um, you know, one thing from a professional standpoint, they have a thing called the whereabouts or it's not whereabouts. I think it's called Adams, but it's where you have to fill out where you are at all times, literally all times. And, um, it's a, it's a platform where you, again, you say where you are and then what time is best for them to show up for testing. Um, meaning that you'll probably be at home. Um, mean it doesn't mean it means that they can still come any other time, but they, that this has a time frame that is, is a good time frame. And I don't quite know how you get on that because I like as a as a, I'm a rookie professional, um, I'm don't have to. Um, but I think that every as soon as you dis, as soon as you choose to become an elite athlete, which is what they call it, it means you get your elite license in the U.S. And I think you should have to fill out that whereabouts no matter what, um, because then it makes it easier for, um, you know, at least then they know this resource could be sent here versus maybe them just sending them to your home. And now that you're not, you're not there because you're on a training camp for two weeks and they just wasted the money to send somebody to do this, mm -hmm. this testing to an athlete that's not on the whereabouts. Um, 
I don't necessarily think that's going to quote unquote fix things, but I think it's a way to kind of help make it easier. So if you have an elite license, you should have to fill out the whereabouts. I agree with that personally. Um, and again, I just think that at every race, every professional should be tested. Um, I think they only test like the top five. I don't know, actually know, but I mean, I'm all for it. If you want to test me at every race, yeah, I'll pee in a cup. I don't love getting my blood drawn, so maybe you can avoid <laughs> the blood draws ones for me if you're listening to this. I don't enjoy it. <laughs> Makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> but I will pee in a cup. <laughs> I mean, as an age grouper, I will too. Like, I just, um, I think it's so important to compete clean on any level. Um, I mean, for... Yeah. From a drug stand, standpoint, a drafting standpoint, a, overall health standpoint, like these drugs are not yes. good for your long term health, your mental, emotional, or physical health. I mean, I, I know we all have watched Lionel's video that you know moved everybody. The mental and emotional toll that choosing to do something to cheat can put on you. I've never done it, but I'm only assuming it's astronomically horrible. This huge gaping hole. I mean, you can never be proud of yourself and what you accomplished in the sport, like ever again, because there's always going to be this big asterisk in your mind, whether people know it or not, you're always going to know you cheated. And at that point, what's the point if you can never be proud of what you've accomplished? And I don't know about anybody else, but I want to be proud of what I've done. I've worked hard. I still work hard. I want to prove it on my own mm-hmm. merit. Um, awesome. Well, that's kind of our thoughts. Anything else you want to add? On no, that? just don't no. cheat. Be honest with yourself. The sport yeah. is too good to be ruined with yeah. uh, performance enhancing drug use. So just continue to be honest with yourself and work for yourself and just be the best you can be. And that's going to be enough. Awesome. Well, hopefully to everyone listening that we provided some, I don't know, we probably didn't even provide any clarity (laughs) or not, but that was just kind of our thoughts. Um, I will be linking some information into the show notes for you guys. Um, The, the USADA testing, um, uh, USADA testing website is very, very informative. And I highly recommend that everybody go and check it out. Um, It's, they, they do a really great job of providing, there's a whole bunch of information on um, um, what what they do, how they do it, how you could potentially be a part of clean sport, if there's athlete stuff, coaches stuff, kind of you name it, it's in there. Um, so there's the USADA testing agency website. Um, and then one of my favorite resources is the Global DRO. Um, and this is fabulous. It's where you can go and you can check your medications depending on whatever kind of country you ish you are in the world. And it'll tell you whether it's okay to take it in competition, out of competition, if it's not okay. Um, and even they'll tell you like, oh, are you within the legal limit? Like for example, a lot of inhalers, mm-hmm. right? I know you and Aaron, you've talked about this before, um, needing inhalers for asthma, which are necessary, but there is a legal limit. And if you're not under that limit, then you need to get a therapeutic use exemption. Um, it walks you, you know, kind of walks you through mm-hmm. this process. And it's 
it's very helpful and I check it often um, because a lot of times, right, we, we go see a general practitioner for something that's going on. They don't, they don't know that we're athletes. They don't, they just, they oftentimes they're going to prescribe you the most basic thing that they prescribe to anybody. And you as the athlete, again, you have the integrity and, and the duty as the athlete to be like, question, mm, is that something I should be using? You know, for, for example, I went through a period of time um, after my eating disorder where my hormones were like really regulate, re-regulating and as I was coming out of it, and I had really, really bad cystic acne, um, like horrible. It was painful and horrible. And I went to a dermatologist and she prescribed me a steroid cream. And I was like, oh, I just, I'm just going to check that because it just, something doesn't seem okay to me. I don't know. I just felt like it was not sure. And so I checked it on the global DRO and it was completely restricted. It was not allowed. And what this actually did is it allowed me then to go back to her and say, hey, I can't take that. Can we come up with another plan? Mm -hmm. And we were able to come up with a different plan that then helped that I didn't have to get a TUE and I wasn't on accidentally on something that I should have been. So the global DRO is super, super um, helpful. You can also go on there and review the WADA code. And the WADA code is basically WADA um, is what the USADA is the World Anti-Doping Code. And it's the whole international standard of USADA, which is the United States of America Drug Testing Agency etc. that is under, it provides the framework for anti-doping policies, rules and regulations, um, and it's in, designed to really kind of harmonize anti-doping policies across the, the world. Um, so feel free to take a look at that. Um, then there's the USADA testing protocols. And again, I will link all these on there. So um, I highly encourage athletes to go check out the USADA um, website. It's very helpful and there's really good information on it. And with that being said, Kayla, how is Ironman Texas? moving on ah yes iron man texas yes we'll move on thank you guys for listening um iron man texas who are we that was that day <laughs> um yeah um turns out we had wind again this year um yeah so you, uh iron man texas did not go well for me to be just very honest about it um I went into it with higher expectations. I went into it feeling really, really good, really excited. And I honestly am not 100%, totally 100% sure what happened, but I had my slowest swim, like almost to date. The only time I swam slower was my very first Ironman where I was self-coached and I had only just recently started swimming. It's my slowest, slowest Ironman. So that was fun. That was really fun. Um, and then uh, bike bike went okay. Um, I and it was honestly nothing spectacular. It just kind of was a solid bike. Um, it was fairly windy out there again this year, so we had a huge storm blow through the night before, like Arizona style monsoon thunder lightning. Very cool. Um, and then a cold front was ended up coming in the next day after the race. And so we had a lot of, we had the wind blowing the storm out and bringing the next one in. Um, not as strong as last year, thank goodness, um, but still pretty, pretty tough. Um, and 
Yeah, I, again, I don't know. I had an okay bike. I just, I never felt like I could really make a lot of ground. And then the biggest piece that occurred on the bike is again, at this hour four, I, I, I had like this quick drop in heart rate. So our heart rate is naturally going to degrade a little bit across the state of a, a bike because of fatigue. So we're going to naturally have a little bit of a decline um, unless we're decoupling, which decoupling means like our pace drops and our heart rate starts to creep because of hydration, over fatigue, lack of calories, bonking, just a lot of things. Um, but I, like, if you look at my chart, my graph, I have a steep drop off where it drops about 15 beats. This one dropped about 15 beats, which is a lot quickly. And all of a sudden I just want to fall asleep, like literally fall asleep. Um, like where, you know, like if you've gone for a long, too long of a drive and you're like shaking your head. Um, and so that really messed with the whole last hour of my bike. Um, this happened to me last year at Ironman, Texas. It happened to me at Kona last year. Um, and it's always at about that four hour mark when I've only got about an hour, you know, ideally it only have like 45 minutes left, but then it becomes an hour, hour 10, depending on how I'm feeling. Um, so that really affected my bike. I got passed by some girls at the end and I just had nothing, nothing to give. I had no response. And I got off the bike and I was like, wow, I don't feel good. I feel flat. I feel bad. My stomach doesn't feel good. I'm dizzy. I'm exhausted. And I didn't want to start the run. Never had that. That was a fun experience. Um, I think I quit triathlon about 140.6 times, <laughs> literally. Um, I thought, yeah. Um, so sat, I sat in transition for not long, but for me longer, like I wasn't speedy in it. And the um, I, I wish I knew which professional it was who was sitting there with me, but she's like, just get out there. Just get out there. Get out there and run. Start it. Start the race. Um, and that kind of prompted me to like, okay, yeah. get off your ass, Kayla, and get going. Um, started the run, um, kind of felt okay moving, um, had to use the bathroom at mile one. And because as we know, we've talked about before, I have a bladder issue <laughs> where I have to pee. I literally, I watched my watch. I peed for 50 seconds. Wow. That's a long, that's a long yeah. pee. <laughs> Um, and kind of got started and was just like, okay, just kind of run, just kind of run. And I made it to the next porta potty and I had to go to the bathroom. Wow. And I proceeded for the whole, the whole first loop to go about every other porta potty. Um, and that kind of just really deflated my sails a lot. Um, and I was so cranky and so negative and I just felt like I didn't belong to be out there. I, I, I didn't deserve to be a professional triathlete. I just, that I was disappointing everybody that I just was failing and frustrated because it was the second race in a row that I've, I've had a tough time and ran past my coach. And I was like, I'm failing everybody. And she literally slapped me in the ass and was like, get your head out of your ass, Kayla, and get over yourself, turn your head around. Um, and that helped. 
I don't know why that helped, but it did. Um, and then I saw my kids at mile, would have been like eight. Um, and I actually stopped and just gave them a big hug and gave them high fives and hugs and gave Brandon a hug and was like, I'm, I'm, I'm having a bad day. I'm not having a good day. This, this is rough. This sucks. Like I'm failing everybody. And Brandon was just like, no, you're not. Just go out there and run, Kayla. doesn't matter. Just go out there and run. Um, so that's what I did. And I ran like another mile or so and just decided, you know what? It doesn't really matter what this race looks like. This is a fun race. And oh my gosh, was that run course, like, it was even better than last year. The people. It was amazing. The, so, like, people were lying. It was just the, the support, the crowds were unbelievable. So I decided three things. One, my children didn't care at all how fast I was. They were just excited to see me mm -hmm. out there. And that's all that mattered. Two, I thought of all of you guys. And I was like, I want my athletes that I coach to believe, one, in me, and two, to know that they can believe in themselves even if the day is not going well. And I want to prove to all of them that I can be that person. So I literally thought about that a lot the whole day. Um, and then I just didn't want to be the person who quit. Wasn't going to be that person. Um, so I just had some fun. I did not run fast. I ran very steady. I didn't run necessarily run slow, but I just ran kind of steady. Um, and I ended up stopping in six porter potties. <laughs> was a lot um and i lived off of orange slices for the last 10 miles because i couldn't get nutrition down um and then at mile like 21 i like emptied my stomach contents and again if you look at my heart rate graph right after that mark my heart rate creeped back up and i actually felt a lot better and i actually came in a lot stronger the last like three miles of the race um and yeah, um, so yeah, I ended up crossing the line in 18th, which was very disappointing for me. Um, but at the same time, I learned a lot and um, I finished it and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the day. I had fun out there um, and that's kind of what matters. So that was Ironman Texas. I'm proud of you for keeping going. Um, what are you doing now to try to figure out what's going on around that hour four mark of the bike that kind of makes you want to fall asleep and heart rate just drops? Um, okay, so my coach did a pre. She went back and looked like at all of my um, specifically around like my racing um, data files, and one thing that we noticed is that I, the first 45 minutes to an hour, I was going out, like going out too hard, basically. Specifically in a long, like a, a full Ironman distance race because it's so much longer. Um, I'm going out hard in a half as well, but it's so much shorter that I don't feel the effects of this problem. And basically, when you go out really, really hard like that, 
um, and uh, it you're depleting yourself too quickly. So you're depleting yourself of glycogen too quickly, which means that ATP can't keep up. Um, so you're not producing enough ATP to then make your muscles work and a lot of other things. And one of the and then you are can't catch up. You literally can't consume enough calories to catch up to create enough energy to function. And the main symptom of that is sleepiness. Um, so we need to do two things is I need to monitor my energy levels and my, what I'm, my, my effort for the first hour of a full Ironman race. And two, we are going to do a huge bike focus. Um, basically turn me or goal is Uber cyclist, <laughs> Kayla. <laughs> um, because, um, I, you know, I said, I was like, okay, that's great. But if I, one of my problems and one of the reasons I end up trying to ride that speed is because when I drop my Watts a little bit more then my speed's not high enough. And then I'm getting crushed in the professional world and I don't want to get crushed. And she said, well, yeah, that's because we need to raise your ceiling a little bit. So, um, yeah, we're going to try to raise the ceiling. It's going to be a lot of work, I think. Um, yeah. So I had to monitor. That's kind of what we think is going mm -hmm. on. Um, the digestive issues on the run, we're not really sure yet. I don't know if that's my nutrition. Could have been. I So I ended up starting my period a couple days later. So yesterday. And I usually have digestive issues like three days, a couple days leading into having it. Um, so that could have been a cause. Um, could have been how I could have been the bonk on the bike and then trying to manage my nutrition from that standpoint. So we're going to work on that. Could have been what I ate the day before. Um, I don't know. A lot of things. So it's a work in progress, but yeah, it's fun. I'm trying to think of it that direction, mm -hmm. learn a lot and, you know, kind of go from there. So yeah, that was Ironman Texas. Very fun race. Definitely will keep it on my schedule. Do it again. I already, as long as I have a professional field next year, I plan on being there. I like it. Um, be easier to train for now living in Arizona. Yeah, I might have to sign up for it again next year. Yeah. It was a pretty fun race. I was jealous. You should. Watching the past weekend. Yeah. It's just such a good one. Yeah. So how's training for you go? We're on week two. Nice. Three. Uh, right? Three, two or three. I don't know. Quarterly. Uh, I probably start three. Track already, I but. probably had my best training week in a really long time last week. Um, not every workout went perfectly. I'm a, I'm a green. I'm a green. <laughs> I had a really bad swim one of the days. Like, just could not go fast. Like my hundreds all out. Couldn't get under one ten. Couldn't hold faster than a one fifteen. Which like both those are five seconds at least slower than where I usually am at. That's very slow, very <laughs> slow for Aaron. <laughs> um, and just felt like garbage. Um, but outside of those workouts, every workout went pretty well. And I think ultimately, like after having a longer ride, it was, I think, 76 miles one of the days. And then I ran 14 on Saturday. And on Sunday, I was still able to execute a bike workout. Oh, wow. 
and a run off the bike really well um, and pretty pain-free, which is something I've always struggled with is recovering from long runs and keeping my body healthy through them. So the fact that I was able to do 14 miles and ran them pretty well too, and then push zone four walks on my 12 minute intervals and go into nice brick. I feel really good about it. So what do you think is different about, cause, um, right. We talked about a couple months ago, you were having a hard time yeah. recovering. Are you being more on top? Like what, one of the things that you mentioned that you wanted to do was be on more on top of your daily nutrition, more on top of your fueling in sessions. Um, how is that all going? It's going well. I'm definitely consuming more calories, um, like during my longer bikes I'm making sure I get at least a thousand calories in. um, I'm making sure I'm eating breakfast, um, which is hard some days, but making sure that happens. Um, yeah, just trying to take care of those things nutritionally. Um, and it's hard at times. Like, I think, like, I haven't seen my weight come down as much as I'd like it to like I have this number in my head and I think I look really good when I'm at this number um and I think letting that go sometimes and just doing what my body needs to do um is most important but it gets hard but I'm pushing through that and still getting myself to Mm -hmm. eat when I need to be eating and I've I'm starting to get a little better with desserts I mean I ate two thirds a pint of ice cream last night, but I think I'm getting a little better on that front. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't the whole yeah, thing. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, and that's a great point. And I think it's important for people to hear too, that it, it's, um, you know, there often is a number that we all like to see on the scale where, we think that we are our best selves, um, but it doesn't always mean that we are. Um, and, you know, that's actually something that I've had to let go of as well. Like I have this idea that I need to be at a very specific weight to be race ready. Um, but actually some of my better races were when I was a little above that number and versus, you know, closer to it. And because it meant that I was eating more and, we have to fuel our bodies in order to function properly and recover, right? That's something you right. You have to recover in order to back everything up back to back. Um, and, um, you know, fueling your body appropriately is one of the, beside that and sleep are one of the two most important ways to recover appropriately for things. Um, yeah, so it's been good. Just looking good. forward to continue to train and continue to increase the volume and racing next weekend now, which is crazy because I wasn't Heck expecting yeah. to do that, yeah. but excited for it. I think it will just be a really good training day. Um, and that's kind of what I'm looking at it as yeah. I really want to go into the bike and we'll talk, I'm sure, more about St. George next week but just really want to do it based on feel this yeah. time around not really have any numbers in my head and just use it as a training day so just excited to keep going and cordelaine i think since seven or eight weeks now and getting really excited for that yeah i think 
I think St. George is a good idea for you um, just to give you some space to get to a really, really hard training day um, as well as it's, it's a challenging course and Coeur d'Alene is challenging. Um, and so a great opportunity to push, you know, high effort um, in the middle of a training block um, and kind of test how things are feeling yeah. um, because training has been going really yep. well for you. Train looks and good I think right I now. did Mounted Man um, 70.3 like eight weeks or so before Kona and Kona went pretty well. So why not do a half before full? It seems to work. <laughs> yeah. It's, it works really well. It's such a, it's such a great stimulus. Um, and, and if you, and if you think about it, a lot of times it, we are doing big training sessions anyways, when we're prepping for an Ironman. And, and so doing a big one like this, where you don't necessarily, we won't, we won't, we're not going to taper you for it, but we're not going to go into it like doing like a four hour ride the day before or whatever. Um, and so it gives you a little bit of a chance to really kind of push the limits a little bit more um, uh, in, in a train, in a quote unquote training session um, and, and then recover and adapt. And it comes at a really great time actually for you because we'll be at the end of like a four week block and we'd be due for a little bit of an adaptation style week anyways. And so it's a great time frame for a um, really great time frame for a, a race. So, and St. George is a lot of fun. Um, I promise this one will be more fun than last year. You know, I, it can't be any worse. I literally thought I was going to die on the bike. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, and it's gorgeous. So how can I not be excited? Yeah. I know. It's hard not to love being down there. Um, yeah. And then we're going to be testing um, carbon shoes for you next yeah. this week. Finally bought a pair of those. So, I, yeah, um, I know that sounds kind of silly for those of you listening, but um, we haven't put Aaron in carbon shoes yet because we've been um, carbon shoes are a lot more rigid than than a lot of other shoes. And so that rigidity, if you're someone who has niggles, can, you know, potentially cause these niggles to to flare up. Um, Aaron is someone who is newer to running um, in general as in a, and running from like a performance standpoint versus just running to run. And we've been really spending the last two years or so building up her body's resilience to running in general so that she can run pain-free. She can run with good mechanics and, um, create a good space for her structural system, her nervous system and her muscular system to be okay with running. Um, and, um, kind of get faster from that standpoint. So it, it, she is ready for um, stepping into some carbon shoes. We're going to have her test them on a 40 minute run either today or tomorrow. I can't remember what I said. Um, and then um, just see how they feel and then test them at St. George. And yeah, you don't want to run in, um, at least I don't think you should run in your carbon shoes very often. Um, and as, as you get further down the line and your body starts to get more used to it, um, you really only need to run in them like for racing. I know I run in, I only run in mine mostly for racing, but sometimes I run in them when I need a little <laughs> bit of a mental and emotional boost. 
Yep. Like if I'm like, these are, I need to, I just need to run fast today. Um, uh, I will, I will run in them <laughs> because they do make you feel faster. Um, so I'm excited to see what you think of them um, and how it all feels for you when you. Um, I'm excited. They're super they're fun. It's kind of like put it it's like you're super pouncy and it's like putting on a yep. tech suit. Yeah, that's. Something. That's what I figured. Um, they're also super pretty. So <laughs> there's that. I really like the colors. They so. Are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you got the Sockney Endorphin Pro yep. 3. Right? Yeah. And so, like, the top of them's like white and kind of yeah. sparkly with neon pink accents. And then the bottom of mine are like a seafoam green. So <laughs> I really like them. And I don't know. Look good, look I know, good, I feel good. I don't know if I have time to get my nails done before St. George, or really the money to get my nails done before St. George. So at least I'll have cute shoes if my nails don't look cute. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, <something>. exactly. <laughs> it's it important. <laughs> Gotta get those good pictures. <laughs> I agree. You do, you do. This is so true. Um awesome well i think yeah i'm excited for you to race next weekend It'll be a lot of fun i'll be there as well um backing ironman texas up with saint george i'll be very honest when i got done with texas i told brandon i'm not doing saint george i'm gonna back out and i texted my coach and was like i think i'm gonna skip saint george um i just was like i i suck i can't do this i'm not good enough I need some space to just spend some time training, um, which is true, um, which is not wrong. But Brandon, one, I checked and I can't get my money back on my Airbnb. So I would have lost like $1,100 and that's a lot of money. <laughs> um, and two, Brandon had a really good point. He's like, you just, I think you just need to get back out there. Just get back out there. Keep trying. Keep doing it. You know, you get a good stimulus from racing. Um, even if it doesn't go well, it doesn't you're just still going to get really good training day from it in that space. And, you know, I, I, I kind of thought about that and I was like, yeah, I think he's right. And so decided I will be at St. George. I will race. Um, and then I'm going to take a bit of space and do a pretty big training block. I'm not going to race again until the end of July. Um, one, because May is chaotic in our house. We've got a lot going on in May. And um, two, I also just need some time to spend a good space like working on this bike fitness and um so you're not doing Coeur d'Alene because I can't keep coming out I am not doing Coeur d'Alene no um it's it was gonna be hard to do Coeur d'Alene with this move anyways because May is really weird for us we don't have we don't have any daycare for Baylor so I don't have a nanny I don't have he's not in daycare um, Brandon's traveling for an entire week. Like he's gone Saturday to su Sunday to Saturday. Um, and even though my parents are going to be super helpful, it just makes like trying to still run this business and yeah. like, so coach be mom, like there was just so much going on. I was like, this is gonna be really hard for me to put the amount of training that needs to happen for a full by end of June in, whereas I can move that back out a bit and um, spend a good block of time training and focusing um, 
and getting a big volume block in. Um, and I think that would be better off. That makes sense. So, kind of sad because I love I love Coeur Lane. Um, it's one of my favorite races, and I've always wanted to do the full, and it has yet to. Something always comes up where I can't do the full. The first time I always signed up for the full Coeur Lane, I got hit by a car four weeks out and broke my ankle. Couldn't race it. And the second time I was signed up for Coeur Lane as a full. I was pregnant, ended up getting pregnant, and I had Baylor three weeks later, so <laughs> wasn't racing. <laughs> um, and now this time, just life, life is just not fixed, working for it, so it's okay. I will get there eventually and race there as a full, as a full. but I still would recommend it to anybody, even though it is a very challenging yeah. course, um, but it's a great one. That you are going to do great on. And everybody else that's racing is going to do great as well. So awesome. Anything else you want to chat no, about? No, I think that's good. Yeah. Good podcast. Great. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, hope you found some kind of either entertainment <laughs> or education from it. Um, if you have any further questions for us in regards to triathlon, life, coaching, etc. Um, please send them our way at www.whereyfeettakeyou.com slash podcast. We love getting your questions. We do our best to try to answer them. Um, again, to the best of our ability, we are not experts in <laughs> anything. <laughs> We're just here to share our experience, what we've learned as we've kind of progressed through sport in general, life in general, and hopefully have some fun along the way. So yeah. Thanks everybody. Have a wonderful week. Bye, everybody.